0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn, if you will, to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. As you're turning there, we're grateful to have um, some guests with us. We're glad to have Anthony and Jessica from Chicago down visiting with Tom and Teresa this week, and we're glad to have them. We're also thankful that Anna got back home safely from Malawi, her flights, uh, all made, uh, she made all her flights, and we're just glad that she's able to be with us here today. We're glad to have all of you here, and uh, as we come to God's word, will you please join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you today, again, for the good news heard by angels long ago, or heard by shepherds long ago. There is a Savior who's born to you in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and we thank you for that. Thank you that he's come to save us from our sins, to raise up a new humanity, conformed to the image and the likeness of Christ, and we thank you for that. Pray your blessing as we open the word of God, in Jesus' name, amen. In the last few weeks, we have been looking at the book of 1 John. We began a series on this book, and there are some wonderful opening verses here that are helpful to us in terms of... The Christmas story of the incarnation. In John 1 that I read earlier, John 1 it says that out of the fullness of who Jesus was that we have received grace upon grace. About a month ago we were in Ephesians 1 where Paul says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is ours. Out of his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. And here, as John opens this epistle, he begins by speaking to us of this one that was born in Bethlehem. And John, as an apostle, along with the other apostles, was able to say, I heard him, I saw him with my eyes, I beheld him, and I was able to actually touch him with my hands. I saw this son of God made flesh who dwelt among us. I was with him during his ministry. And as I'm writing this letter, I'm writing to you to encourage you and help you. And he's writing in the context as well of some false teachers that have crept into the churches up in Asia Minor, and he is, he is reminding them of who this Jesus is. And he's calling them to remain fast and hold fast to him. But in these opening verses, we, we see some things here that we receive, who are those who are united to Christ. There are things that we receive through him. And uh, last week, we looked at the gift of eternal life. As we think of Christmas, as we think of the birth of Jesus Christ, he has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And so John speaks about this one who has come. He is the word of life, and he is the one that is the eternal life, who was with the Father and has been manifested to us, and he himself has communicated to us this very divine life, the life of God. And that is ours in Christ. We are partakers of this life, eternal life. We were not those who enjoyed this kind of life as fallen sons of Adam, but Christ has communicated to us the very life of God himself. But we also see in these opening verses, we see the gift of fellowship, a real vital fellowship, and we see the gift of joy and the gift of life. We're going to be looking at those briefly this morning. The first one is the gift of fellowship. We see this in verse 3, as John has said that I'm, I'm one who bears witness of this one who is eternal life who was manifested to us. And he says in verse 3 that that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Those to whom John is writing may have wondered, in light of these false teachers, if somehow they had missed out And John wants them to understand that they stand, not as second-class citizens, but they stand in relationship to the apostles, and they have fellowship with the apostles, first of all. And uh, he says that there in verse 3, I want you to know that you also, you also have fellowship with us. So they weren't second-class citizens. They weren't those who were somehow far removed from Christ. No, you have fellowship with us, the ones who saw, who heard, who touched Jesus. You also have fellowship with us. This is one of the reasons I'm writing to you, and I want you to know this. There are other reasons that are given in this book as to why John is writing, but this is one of them. I want you to know that you also have fellowship with us. And so he wants them to be encouraged to know this because there, again, were these false teachers that were speaking about different things and about a kind of higher life and a special knowledge. And John says, no, wait a minute. This Jesus that I have preached to you, that I have made known to you, you have fellowship with us and we have fellowship with him. And so you enjoy this as well. And so as we think of the word fellowship. It's a word in Greek that's koinonia. It has the idea of sharing things in common. There are things that we share together in various aspects of life that we have in common with other people. And one of those is family. Certainly Christmas time we think of spending time with our family and what a wonderful gift that God has given to us. We share in common a life as as a family and that is a blessing that comes from the Lord our God There are other areas of life that we enjoy fellowship. We may enjoy fellowship with others who have interest in maybe a hobby or a sport or something like that. Civil War cronies—I know we got some of those Um, here—people that unite together around a shared interest. But here, this fellowship that John is speaking about is—it is something that is a special kind of fellowship. You have fellowship with us. This has been brought about because of the babe that was born in Bethlehem. He has come to give us new life. And in this life, we now have a new community of people that we are in fellowship with. And so John will speak here about two kinds of fellowship, and they're certainly interrelated. And the first is a family fellowship. Having been born again by the Spirit of God, there is now this community with whom we rub shoulders, with whom we are uh, together followers of Christ, and John says, I want you to know that you have fellowship with us, with the apostolic message and messengers. You're not second-class citizens. You enjoy this fellowship with us. This life that Christ has communicated to us has brought us into a fellowship, into a community. I'm very thankful for family, I'm thankful for the family that I grew up in. I thank God every day for that. I thank for thank God for the family that I have, a wife and children, and now a grandson. And it's wonderful. I'm thankful for that. But also I am thankful for the people of God. The fellowship of God's people. And this is something that the grace of God brings about through the work and the ministry of Jesus Christ. There is a camaraderie that you might have with sports or a hobby and other things in life, but there is nothing like this. It is a supernatural fellowship that is brought about by the Lord Jesus Christ and his work on our behalf. And even though the people of God may be from different backgrounds, They may have things that are uh, different uh, in terms of their background, their upbringing, even their language, but there is this fellowship that is enjoyed by the people of God. I have had the privilege, I think, of going to maybe like 15 different countries, and I am so excited and thankful when I get there to meet believers. Believers. You know, going to another culture, you feel a little strange and not at home. And then you meet the believers and you worship with them. And you sense, even though you can't speak the same language, you feel, I'm at home here. There's community here that I enjoy. And I know many of you have gone to Mexico. You feel the same way. Brothers and sisters there have become very dear to us. And this is the grace of God. We belong to a worldwide community family an eternal family and really there's nothing in the world that compares to that we are a forever family and this comes as a result again of the work of Christ and John's going to go on in this book and say really this is one of the tests that you belong to Christ because if you love Christ you will love his people warts and all you will love them and that's one of the tests that John gives If you say that you love God but you hate your brother, you're a liar, he says. Because grace changes the heart and brings us into a community where we love one another through the ups and downs, the hardships, and the difficulties. And so this is one of the tests that John will give. And so the New Testament knows nothing of living in isolation if you're a Christian. We're called to live in community, and there are many one another's that are given in the scriptures. And how wonderful we should strive to know more and more of that unity. Psalm 133, uh, 133, verse 1, says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. What a blessing. And how blessed and how enriching, how wonderful that we enjoy such fellowship. So as you have come to faith in Christ, as your followers of Christ, You join with us and we have fellowship together. But he goes on to say there in verse 3 that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Here's a, a new level, a higher level of fellowship. How do you explain the fellowship between people who are radically different in their backgrounds, but they are being made one in a community. How do you explain that? Well, it's because we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. And so he speaks here about a Trinitarian fellowship that we enjoy. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. I think throughout the book it's implied the Spirit as well. This is really the big thing. This is why Christ came into this world, to breach the gap that existed between fallen men and a holy God, to restore, to reconcile those who are alienated, and once again to bring them into fellowship with God and with his son. And it is the son that makes this possible. The babe born in Bethlehem came to reconcile us to the Father. Chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. It is Christ who makes this a reality. Jesus said in John 14 to his disciples, I'm going to go away and I'm going to go to my Father, but I'm going to come again. And where I go, you do not—you do know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, "Lord, really, we don't know." And Jesus said, "I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes unto the Father but by me." And as we think about the gospel, as we think about the work of Christ, the incarnation speaks to us. That, that Christ brings. Sinners alienated from God into fellowship with God through his work, what he did upon the cross. It's all of his doing, and he reconciles us. And what happens in the gospel, the greatest gift that God gives to his people in the gospel is not a ticket out of hell. That, that is true. Christ does that for us. It's not that he gives us the promise of eternal life in heaven and with all the blessings of a new heavens and a new earth. That's true. But the core of the gift that we receive from God is that God gives himself to us. This is the greatest thing about our salvation, that Christ gives us himself. God gives himself to us. John seventeen three. Jesus says there, this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true and the living God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. There are people in this life that we enjoy. We just enjoy being with them in fellowshipping with them, being with them in their presence. But here is the greatest gift, that we might know the true and living God, the maker of heaven and earth. He himself comes and condescends to draw near unto us, and draw us to himself. So Jesus could say this in John 14, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And Listen to this, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. We will come and make our home with him. What a blessing. And this, again, comes to us by way of the Lord Jesus Christ and his work for us. Now listen to some of the terms that John is going to use in his epistle when he speaks about the relationship between God's people and and, and about him. They have been called children of God. They're those who have been born of God. They are of God. They are his seed, and his seed abides in him. He has, the believer has the anointing from God. He abides in him. He knows him. We abide in him and he in us. These are some terms that are used by John. What a blessing. What a great gift is given to us through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. And so this Christmas, may we rejoice in this truth, the gift of fellowship given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Dave, you want to come and